0: Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Just a year or two ago, we had the phrase, flatten the curve, embedded in our minds. We heard about it over and over because we were going through a... Difficult time, a worldwide pandemic. And the message was that we are trying to slow it down. We're trying to flatten the curve. And what that means is, while it didn't have any reference to fewer people being sick, It was about spreading out the number who were sick so that medical people could take care of them better. And flatten the curve became a phrase that's a part of our society. Here's the question. When it comes to our lives spiritually, We don't need to be people who are thinking about flattening the curve. We need to be people who think about stopping the curve. For a few minutes, notice with me the contrast between these ideas that we find in Scripture. Tonight, I want us to notice that as the family of God at Richmond... We need to be people who stop the curve of sin and temptation to each other. Because we are a family. And we don't want to be a bothersome part of the family. But today, we begin with the idea that the curve represents... The sin that is extant in the world. Sin is, in fact, as you know, universal. Death passed to all men because all men have sinned. Romans 5 and verse 12. And because all have sinned, death is the consequence that has spread to all Romans 5:12 and 5:14 and because we are under the sentence of death because the world stands as condemned before God on their own without him we are condemned people Romans 5 in verse 16, it is a universal true statement that all people sin, that all people suffer, that we are under the penalty of sin if we merely live on our own. None of us denies that. But sin is not only universal, it is personal. I know it. And you know it. Sin is personal to me because I have memories that can never be erased. The memories can haunt because they are indelibly printed in the mind. Because that's what sin does. Sin is personal because I have a conscience that cannot be fully cleansed. It's not that we keep condemning ourselves. It's not that we keep beating on ourselves. It's just a fact that we know in our own consciences that the past of our lives, the sins of our lives are there. And we have that bothersome conscience. Why did I do that? And sin is personal. Personal. Because we all face temptations that will never be fully eradicated. We will face temptation our entire lives. We will fight our entire lives. We will have pangs of conscience. And we will develop memories that sin puts to us. Because that's what sin does. And when we think about that concept, we do not merely want to flatten more the curve of sin. We want to be people who stop The curve of sin. What does it mean? When we say flatten the curve of sin, why would we, why is it that many people in fact do want merely to flatten the curve? Lower it instead of it peaked out, just lowering it a little bit. What does that say to us spiritually? That phrase, flattening the curve, as it relates to sin, is self-centered. To flatten the curve of sin is a self-centered approach. Because here's what it means. One... It means putting sin to a rating scale. Oh, this one is really, really bad. Can't do it. This one is bad, but not so much. And this one, oh, it's not a big deal. Everybody does that. So if I'm merely wanting to flatten The curve. It means I'm not going to participate in this one, but I might let myself slide on these. And we might let society slide on these. Because we've rated them thus. Number two. That will produce a mentality that says, well, sins are different and and, and they're not equal. Some things we hate and and some things, uh, well, I don't really feel that bad about them. I put up with this in lives of other people and maybe in my own life, but I'm not putting up with this. Because to flatten the curve of sin means that they're inequal and some are okay maybe and some are not. Third, if we merely try to flatten the curve of sin, then every person will define for himself or herself what sin really is. It is fully self-centered. For instance, sometimes people define sin based on whether or not it affects other people. Galatians chapter 2. Paul had a man named Barnabas with him, the son of encouragement, the one who inspired people, who brought people together when Saul was rejected by Christians because they remembered his days of persecution. It was Barnabas who said, Wait a minute, he's a brother in Christ. He was with Paul when a group of Jewish Christians or a group of Gentile Christians were gathered for a meal. And Paul and Barnabas were eating together with that group of Gentile Christians. But in the middle of that meal, there were some Jewish Christians who were causing trouble for the church. They were saying that all Gentile Christians have to live like Jews, and they were causing division. When these people showed up at the meal, Barnabas pulled away with Peter from this situation and was over here not eating. And Paul said, I had to withstand Peter to his face because it didn't bother him, Peter, until he saw an effect on somebody else. He chose an effect to decide whether something was right or wrong. If you don't like it, if it causes trouble, Peter got caught up in it. Sometimes it's about the effect that it has on self. You know the story of David and Bathsheba and his sin with her. When the prophet came to him to expose it, he told a story about a man who had all kinds of wealth, flocks and herds galore. But when a friend came to visit him, he went to his neighbor's house and got the pet lamb who ate dinner at the family's table and slaughtered it and fed it to his friend. And David rose up from his throne and he said, You tell me who that man is and we'll take care of this situation. Prophet said, You are the man. It was only then that David realized I did take somebody's lamb. It didn't affect him until he realized. It didn't bother him what he had done before. The effect didn't matter. But all of a sudden, now it does. Sometimes people define sin situationally. When Abraham went down into another country, Abimelech, the king of Gerar. Took his wife because she was beautiful. And Abraham had said, Please tell them that you're my sister so that I won't be killed. That didn't bother him. It didn't bother him that he told one of those little white lies, we call it, because they were related, he and she. It didn't bother him that somebody else took his wife from him. But God made sure that nobody sinned in that situation. And God told Abimelech, you better send her back because she's married to that man. And Abimelech couldn't understand why Abraham would treat him that way. People define sin differently. And some people define it based on the concept that some things are wrong and some things are more wrong. Some things not wrong at all. In Genesis 19, when Lot was in the city of Sodom and those angels came to see him, And the people of the town said, send those two men out to us that we may know them in a homosexual way. And Lot stepped outside of his house and shut the door and said, wait a minute. This is evil. Don't do it. Instead, let me send out to you my two virgin daughters. What? That's okay, and this is not? You see, when we flatten the curve, the definitions all become self centered. It's a way of continuing to do some things that I want to do while giving the impression. That I'm trying to get rid of sin. But the Bible teaches stop the curve. In fact, in our text for the morning, that's what Isaiah said to the people cease from sin. Because stopping the curve of sin is God-centered. Sin is God-centered because it damages the relationship between Him and us. My arm is not shortened that it cannot save. Nor is his ear hardened that he cannot hear. But your sins and your iniquities have hidden his face from you, and he will not hear you. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. If I retain sin in my heart, God will not hear me. Psalm 66 and 18. God cannot endorse, approve of, or, ma- or stomach, if you will, any kind of sin. Because the relationship between the two of us is going to be damaged every time sin takes place. That's what Scripture teaches. Number two, stopping the curve is God-centered because God says that all sins are not the same. All sins are not the same to you, but they're the same to Him. In fact, Charles referenced Revelation 21 and verse number eight. Did you notice the list? Cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars. To God. A liar and a murderer are the same. That occurs again in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, where God writes another list to prove that though we think maybe all sins are unequal, God says they're all equal. Because finally, third, any sin can lead to loss. All souls are mine, God said. The soul of the Son, the soul of the Father are mine. And every soul that sins shall die. Ezekiel eighteen four. In the passage you know quite well, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. The wages of sin is death. We don't want to be people who talk about merely flattening the curve of sin. We want to be people who say constantly, let us stop the curve of sin. Because that is God-centered thinking. And flattening the curve is self-centered thinking. Any sin can be forgiven. There's the good news. Any sin that is repented can be forgiven. God will forgive. And we rest in the comfort of that even while we fight the discomfort that sin brings into our lives. Today, let us decide to start stopping the curve of sin, to talk about stopping it, not just allowing it to exist in certain ways, lowering its effect, lowering its consequences. Let us be people as we stand in the gap to stop the incursion of sin. The price for forgiveness has been paid. The blood of Jesus was shed. And by obedience to Him, we find that forgiveness of every sin of which we repent. In the blood of Jesus, in immersion, we meet that the first time. And in the prayer of repentance of 1 John 1 in verses 7 through 10, we meet it again as Christians who are continually cleansed by the blood of Jesus today. Let us vow to stop the curve. And if we can help you, if our shepherds can help you with that, will you come as we stand and sing? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ.